This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Friday, April 22nd, 2022. I'm Caleb Brown. Texas has passed a law that makes social media companies so-called common carriers. That is, they aim to restrict the ability of platforms to remove or demonetize content based on the views expressed. The law is now in federal court in the Fifth Circuit. Cato's Tommy Berry argues Texas has adopted some very strange and pretty bad arguments to defend the law. We spoke last week. What did social media companies ever do to Texas? <laughs> Unclear. Texas claims that they have it out for conservatives. Um, the evidence for that is not as clear-cut as Texas uh, may think it is. In fact, many of the examples conservatives have used of so-called bias by Twitter, Facebook, etc., really are just drops in the bucket of a massive number of content moderation decisions made every day by these social media companies. Um, but people have cherry-picked a few famous examples, and they basically think that they can regulate uh, speech on social media platforms better than these platforms themselves, and that the answer to any issues is not competition in the marketplace of social media companies, but instead uh, a one-size-fits-all mandate from the state saying that platforms have to exercise viewpoint neutrality. Wow, this sounds like Texas is a 1930s progressive liberal organization. That's what's so ironic about this is if you read their briefs and their arguments, it parallels almost exactly uh, what were called communication collectivist theories. They became really popular among progressives, those on the left in the 1960s, basically arguing that uh, big media companies needed to be seized by the government to provide access to voices who wouldn't otherwise um, have a platform. And that if you got big enough and had enough market power that the government had the right to take your property and use it as a platform for voices the government wants to amplify. Now, I, I do want to get into this this case because Texas has passed a law that is uh, currently under challenge. But it seems to me that we ought to keep in mind that support for the freedom of speech, broadly speaking, for partisans is almost always, at least it almost always looks like to me, just a defensive crouch. <laughs> well, well, certainly there's. Uh, it's important to draw a clear distinction between criticism of these platforms and the choices they're making as private um, people using these platforms. It's absolutely justified if you don't like what Facebook and Twitter are doing, start a competitor, boycott them, what have you. The problem is, and the issue is, should the government get involved and essentially say, uh, we're going to second guess all of your decisions. And if you're not exercising them fairly in the government's view, you're liable for to be sued or fined. So what is the law that Texas passed? It's called HB 20. Uh, it, the core regulation is it imposes a viewpoint neutrality requirement for any topic uh, under discussion on a social media platform. And it has essentially no um, exceptions to it. So it can lead to some results that would probably be pretty shocking to most people. So if people are discussing Al-Qaeda or ISIS on the social media network, viewpoint neutrality means you can't have a rule. If, if people are saying ISIS is terrible, you have to allow people to say ISIS is great. I support what they're doing. Um, that's an extreme example, but but that gives you an idea of how current content moderation rules on most major social media networks would violate uh, this viewpoint neutrality requirement um, as, as it's spelled out in the law. In theory, it's been promoted as a way to stop anti-conservative bias, um, but 
in in practice, it would simply allow courts, federal courts or state courts, to decide whether a decision was biased or not, and whether this the company exercised viewpoint neutrality. And and forgive forgive me if I'm wrong here, but uh, courts are not good at that. <laughs> it's it's certainly a difficult it, it, it's certainly difficult after the fact to second guess. Um, a decision, uh, especially when they're not experts in the technology of content moderation, the fact that these companies have to do it at an enormous scale that's almost hard for um, people not in the industry to comprehend. Facebook deals with hundreds of millions of posts every single day. Um, Many of these first decisions are made by computer algorithms and then by humans for the more difficult ones. But yes, it's uh, what what happens in effect when there's this uncertainty is that it creates what's known as a chilling effect. And what the most likely outcome of this law were enforced is that social media platforms would simply just stop allowing speech entirely on controversial topics rather than trying to figure out what's what's a viewpoint neutral method of moderation. Uh, you because this is locked up in court right now. Um the law presumably is not moving forward until that's cleared up. That's right. It's been blocked. It was uh, preliminarily enjoined, which means it was blocked before it could even be enforced by a federal district court, which held that it violated uh, the First Amendment prohibition on compelled speech. So essentially, the district court held, in my view correctly, that this is forcing social media platforms to provide uh, speech, to provide um, a platform to speech with which they disagree, and that essentially the feed on Twitter or Facebook is the speech product of these these companies is speech that they're putting out into the world, and they're being forced to put something out they don't want to, similar to you can't force a newspaper editorial page to print an editorial that it doesn't want to. What is Texas claiming uh, with respect to the First Amendment or theories of freedom of speech that they think makes this a good, solid, sound case? Texas is claiming that you can fit social media companies into a box called common carriers. Uh, This is a term that's been traditionally used for things like telephone companies or private letter carriers, for example. It's a theory that if you're merely taking speech from point A to point B, person A to person B, you're not really a publisher and you're not really speaking yourself. And in that scenario, it's okay under the First Amendment to force you to carry everything that people want to send. There's a lot of problems with this theory, primarily that social media companies are not just taking speech from person A to person B. They're publishing speech on their platforms to the world, and they're organizing it in their own unique way with their algorithms. They're deciding what to promote and what not to promote. Um, So the challengers have so far successfully argued social media platforms are a lot closer to a newspaper or a TV channel than they are to a telephone company. And what are they claiming as support for that, that argument? They have very little, to be honest. They have essentially historical arguments. Some academic arguments. Eugene Volokh wrote an article that got a lot of attention claiming that some social media uh, regulations could be permissible as regulations of common carriers. But even his theory, which I disagree with, would not actually go so far as to support what this law is doing. His theory might support merely forcing Twitter, for example, to keep a post at a certain URL Uh, so that someone who wanted to could go and visit that specific post. In other words, use a tiny infinitesimal amount of their storage space to keep it up. But even Eugene Volokh's theory would not force Twitter to put it 
on their feed and put it in their algorithm, because at that point, it's not simply taking speech from person A to person B. It's doing something unique that Twitter uh, does with speech, which is put it in an algorithm that it has designed and a feed that it's presenting to the public. And before we started recording, you had mentioned that uh, Substack, you know, which is an email delivered to individuals from an individual might fit that definition more cleanly, at least according to some people's views. It would be a closer fit, but even there, there's always the possibility that the company might start wanting to be more um, active in moderation. So a company like Substack might have rules, and and I'm not an expert. They may may already do um, have certain rules or words that that you can't you can't say or topics that they don't want to provide a platform for. And so essentially, it, it I think it goes down a dangerous path when you start to say the less moderation a company is currently engaging in, the more it's okay to. Um, force them to continue to host anything and everything, because some have described that as a use it or lose it theory of the First Amendment, that essentially, if you're currently closer to a common carrier, we can force you to be a common carrier forever. Yeah. And and, and it would sort of cuts against the actual goal of these Republicans in Texas who want to regulate social media more directly. Yes, exactly. That essentially perversely it could uh, they could be incentivizing um companies to be more active and essentially more restrictive um which was in in some ways the problem with the internet entirely that we never it's very difficult to know what the correct balance is but we want to allow these companies to innovate and find for themselves and compete with each other to find what the correct level of moderation is. And it's certainly fair to criticize a company if you think they're being too restrictive or not restrictive enough. But the answer has always been start a competitor or move to a competitor, not create a one-size-fits-all viewpoint neutrality rule for everyone. So I'm not a lawyer. And so from the outside looking in, this looks like a slam dunk with respect to throwing this law out entirely. It's certainly a pattern that started now of these cases losing. Uh, Florida had a very similar law that got blocked by the district court. Florida has now appealed to the 11th Circuit, and now Texas's law has been blocked. So at this point in court decisions, uh, these types of laws are 0 for 2, and both district court opinions held it wasn't a close question that this was uh, compelled speech violating the First Amendment. Tommy Berry is a research fellow at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to and give a rating to the Cato Daily Podcast on your podcast platform of choice. And follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.